President Hillary Rodham Clinton made her television debut in May 1995. The President of the United States. My fellow Americans, I speak to you tonight from the White House. A sci-fi show called Sliders sent four characters to an alternate universe where Hillary Clinton was president and Bill was first man. In real life, First Lady Hillary Clinton wasn't doing so hot. A lot of Americans criticized her for not being a traditional First Lady, for advising her husband on policy instead of decorating the White House. The fictional world of Sliders turned the gender politics of the mid-90s upside down. In this episode, first man Bill Clinton was expected to stay in his place. No, I feel sorry for the pres being married to that loudmouth the wonder the Republicans... It was the first time Hollywood took the idea of a president, Hillary Clinton, seriously. But it was far from the last. From the Vox Media Podcast Network, this is Primetime, a show about the power of television and how it affects and reflects our culture. I'm your host, Todd Vanderwerk. This season, The President is on TV, how American presidents have used TV to further their political ambitions, and how TV has used the presidency to further its own goals. Today, the many fictional presidencies of Hillary Clinton. On TV, powerful women in politics have a lot in common with Hillary, and I wanted to understand why. Why are there so many Hillary lookalikes in fictional Oval Offices? And what do these characters reveal about us and about our attitudes toward powerful women in the real world? There was at least one female president on TV before Hillary Clinton came on the national scene. In 1985, Patty Duke took office in Hail to the Chief, and her fictional first man wasn't pleased. Work, 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 work. That's all you do. Work, work, work. George Claiborne's wife works, but he still sees her at normal hours. She opened a boutique. I'm president of the United States. But other than that, and that episode of Sliders, women on TV rarely reached the nation's highest office. Until the early 2000s. Hillary Clinton had recently won her first Senate race. And there was plenty of speculation about her own presidential aspirations. One show pounced on the idea. Commander-in-Chief. It premiered on ABC in 2005 with Gina Davis as President Mackenzie Allen. Ladies and gentlemen, the President of the United States. Good morning, everyone. Please, take your seats. Allen was elected as Vice President. She ascended to the highest office when the President died. And in this fictional world, not everyone was comfortable with a woman in the White House. It seems that our Secretary of Labor has resigned. Effective immediately. Is there anyone else? Anyone? I'm here. I can accept resignations alive and in person. A lot of critics saw Mackenzie Allen as a Hillary stand-in. Some Republicans even wondered if she was part of a propaganda scheme meant to propel the real woman to the White House in 2008. In truth, the only thing President Allen had in common with Hillary was political power, a rare trait for an American woman in the early 2000s. Even today, Hillary Clinton is the most successful female politician in American history. 
And when Hollywood tells stories about women in power, it often draws from the most prominent example. I think that she was the one who managed to get the farthest in terms of our image of women in power in politics. It's giving us the image of what's possible, and she was the person who breached the chrysalis and did that. Barbara Hall is the creator and showrunner of Madam Secretary. The CBS drama follows fictional Secretary of State Elizabeth McCord. Hall told me that Elizabeth wasn't meant to be a Hillary Clinton analog, but she's got the blonde bob and she has a penchant for pantsuits. To me, Elizabeth is clearly meant to resonate with Clinton's time at the State Department. Hillary was in the news a lot and people had that image of her. And then the idea of a woman's journey in politics, it's kind of hard to get away from that. You know, the association with Hillary gives people a framework and draws them in. That's great. But then once you've arrived, we're going to show you how this is a different person's story. That association with Hillary is reflected in a lot of fictional women in politics on TV. That's partly because Hillary's the most famous example and partly because her professional story is just really compelling. She becomes a very good senator and a real force for change in the Senate and a real force for Democratic leadership. Mike Schur co-created the show Parks and Recreation. It's 2008, it's coming up, and it's like, well, you're going to run for president because you deserve this. And then a once-in-a-ten-generation politician comes out of nowhere, and he blows right past her and wins the nomination and becomes president. And she just grits her teeth again, and she goes, all right, well, what can I do now? And he makes her secretary of state, and she goes around and flies all over the world and becomes a very, very good and well-respected secretary of state. And then the next election is coming up, and everyone is like, all right, it's your turn now. And then an insane monster comes along and rises from the depths of hell and says a bunch of insane, crazy stuff and lies and cheats and steals and sexually assaults women. And somehow, because of 70,000 people in three states, she is denied the ability to be president again. Now, all of those things put together as a general biography make her, to me, an incredibly sympathetic figure. Amy Poehler plays the Clinton-esque Leslie Nope on Parks and Recreation, and she captures that sympathetic side. Nope starts out as a small-town riff on Hillary Clinton. Okay, brainstorm. How do we make this park happen? Let's go to the city council directly and ask them to put up the money. No, parks are not a priority. I need more firepower. I need bigger guns. You know what I need to do? Form a committee, right? Yeah, that could work. Yeah, because committees are power, and committees make things happen. Committees are the lifeblood of our democratic system. Leslie is determined and capable, just like Hillary. She believes in the system, just like Hillary. And Leslie's faults also look a lot like Hillary's. She's never been great at making the case for herself. There's like a membrane between her and the public that she can't quite cross effectively. And that means that she didn't quite achieve the only thing that she really, truly wanted to achieve, and that's tragedy. She has all the knowledge and doesn't have the skill. And that was a good model for Leslie Nope, I think. So why are there so many Hillary's on TV? For a long time, she was one of the only women with political power in this country. Hollywood didn't seem to have a big imagination when it came to women in Washington. And Hillary's professional life is full of dramatic potential. And then there's her personal life. She was like the smartest person in her law school, and she hooked up with like the second smartest person, her husband. And then she made like a thousand sacrifices for him. Hillary's reaction to Bill's scandals have inspired a lot of plot lines. 
1992, allegations of extramarital affairs threatened to sink Bill Clinton's presidential campaign. In her first ever appearance on 60 Minutes, Hillary sat next to Bill and played the role of the supportive spouse. You know, I'm not sitting here as some little woman standing by my man like Tammy Wynette. I'm sitting here because I love him and I respect him and I honor what he's been through and what we've been through together. And you know, if that's not enough for people, then heck, don't vote for him. We've all speculated about the Clintons' marriage over the last 30 years. Hollywood has two, in fictional form. So many TV shows have featured a wife scorned. There's Bellamy Young's Melly Grant on Scandal. If all we had to talk about was a blue dress with a stain and a cigar that had been in interesting places, I'd be fine. I would not give a damn, but I am not going to stand in the Rose Garden and hold your hand while you tell the White House press corps that you had an affair with Olivia Pope that lasted a year. There's the good wife. I have never abused my office. I have never traded lighter sentences for financial or sexual favors. At the same time, I need to atone for my personal failings with my wife, Alicia, and our two children. And then there are all those far-right conspiracy theories about the Clintons, the scheming they supposedly did behind the scenes. Plenty of script fodder there. Well, think about Robin Wright's Claire Underwood on House of Cards. I've done what I had to do. Now you do what you have to do. Seduce him. Give him your heart. Cut it out and put it in his fucking hands. Hillary Clinton's had a singular career, and her personal life is just really compelling. But TV's obsession with Hillary isn't just about her story. It's also about us and the way we feel about women in power. I can't vote for the leader of the free world to be a woman. <laughs> Such a nasty one. The president of the United States, to me, should be a man. More on that after the break. Welcome back to Primetime. TV's fictional Hillary Clintons reflect what a lot of Americans think about women in positions of power. There's a whole host of qualities that are associated with Hillary Clinton, whether she has them or not, that not only are unlikable, like are difficult qualities for anyone to possess. Willa Paskin is a TV critic at Slate and host of the Decoder Ring podcast. Uncaring ambition, like no values. I think if you were to straight up give those characters to a man, that character would also be unlikable. That ambition was on full display in the Hillary sketches on Saturday Night Live, especially when she ran for president in 2008 and again in 2016. You're finally going to announce that you're running for president. Oh my gosh, I don't know if I have it in me. I'm scared. I'm kidding. Let's do this. (laughs) But we expect ambition in a man. The ambition that they might have, we would think is a good thing, whereas in a female character, we might think it was a bad thing. It was exactly the same. The ultimate example, Melly Grant on Scandal. The upsetting thing about being as educated as I am and as intelligent as I am is that being first lady is profoundly boring. What did you call me? Ornamental, not functional. I am a rose dying on the vine here. Give me a war to run or the CIA or something. But Eventually, Melly schemes her way into the Oval Office. That happens a lot with these characters. Most fictional Hillarys ascend to power through some untimely death, an elaborate and evil scheme, or both. And because we haven't had a woman president, 
Hollywood seems to think that's the only way a woman can achieve the highest office. I don't think that's so insane to imagine that even just 10 or 15 years ago or five years ago, that the most straightforward way to imagine a woman ending up in the Oval Office would have to be by like hook or by crook. Ambitious women make a lot of Americans uncomfortable. So if you're going to create an entire show around an ambitious woman, she better be easy to laugh at. Like Julia Louis-Dreyfus's Selena Meyer on Veep. I'll tell you what's unprecedented, Kent. A tie is unprecedented. So's becoming the first lady president. So's that jack-off becoming president through the back door. It's funny how sporadically unlikable she is. Like, she can have that ambition uh, in addition to also being bumbling, so, like, constantly messing it up. Selena is actually a pretty despicable character. But she's hilarious. And because we can laugh at her, we feel more comfortable with her ambition. Louis Dreyfus is both the star of and a producer on Veep. She represents a trend, a trend where more and more women are in positions of power on set. Today, women showrunners are creating ambitious characters, characters who reflect the experiences of the women who create them. That's true for Madam Secretary showrunner Barbara Hall. I really do use my own experience in my own profession to try to create a framework of what that woman's journey looks like. Women have to learn to be more diplomatic. <laughs> You're going to have to get creative about, you know, accomplishing what you want because doors are closed in your face and avenues are not available to you. And you have to constantly find other ways to come at um, trying to achieve something. Thinking about your leadership style all the time is something that women have to do that I think men don't have to do because women are punished for things that men are rewarded for. Something the character Elizabeth McCord had to deal with as a woman secretary of state. Hey, I am not your puppet. If I see a chance to shift the paradigm, I'm going to take it. Today, nearly three decades after Hillary came on the national scene, women like Congresswoman Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez are now in the spotlight. I've talked to three separate TV writers who are thinking about using her story as the basis of a pilot. And hey, they're onto something here. Bartender becomes Congresswoman? Who wouldn't want to watch that? It might be a signal that TV is finally ready to move beyond fictional Hillary Clinton's. The final season of House of Cards is a fitting capstone to this trope. Claire Underwood is finally president after cheating and murdering her way to the top. And then she appoints an all-female cabinet, shutting men out of the Oval Office altogether. It's the Hillary Clinton conspiracy theory in full. There's something very full circle about it. And with that, I'd say it's time for a new more expansive archetype. It's time for fictional Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez's, fictional Ilhan Omar's, even fictional Ivanka Trump's. Compelling women in power with compelling stories. Back in the mid-90s, when that Sliders episode aired, none of those women were in Washington. So when it comes to women in power, we've made some progress. We went from a world where the idea of a first lady consulting on policy was controversial to one where the national debate is often set by women. We went from thinking a woman as president was goofy to thinking it's a distinct possibility. And Hillary Clinton, the real one and the many fictional ones, 
is a major reason for that. Next time, we'll go back to a time when television and politics collided head on. It doesn't help matters when primetime TV has Murphy Brown, a character who supposedly epitomizes today's intelligent, highly paid professional woman, mocking the importance of fathers by bearing a child alone and calling it just another lifestyle choice. In a recent speech, Vice President Quayle used me as an example of the poverty of values in this country. And Murphy Brown versus Dan Quayle. We'll revisit the very real fight between a sitcom character and the vice president. Primetime is produced by Bridget Armstrong. Mixing and scoring by Gautam Shrikishan. Thanks to Rebel Talk Studios and our engineer, Ernesto Hurtado. Our researcher is Michelle Delgado. Our theme music was composed by Brandon McFarland. Our social media manager is Lexi Shapittle. Nishat Kurwa is the executive producer of the Vox Media Podcast Network. Jillian Weinberger is the senior producer of audio at Vox. Special thanks to Eleanor Barkhorn, Allison Rocky, and Jen Trolio. I'm your host, Todd Vanderwerf. Talk to you next week. Music